Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You're listening to Living Better in San Diego. I'm Vicki Pepper. College application season is here. Why is the right university degree the ultimate signaling device to future employers or graduate degree programs? And how can students and families learn what exactly what today's college admissions officers look for in candidates? On the line is Jamie Beaton, an education CEO, Rhodes Scholar, and author of Accepted, Secrets to Gaining Admission to the World's Top Universities. Thank you for joining me. Oh, pleasure. Definitely a really interesting topic for families right now. Jamie, start by telling us about your college and professional experience, because it's pretty impressive. Well, thank you. Uh, basically, I've always really loved academics and learning, and uh, I actually came from New Zealand originally, and I had no connections to America or anything. My family were all from New Zealand, but when I was 14, I spoke to this American fellow called Ben Kornfeld who got into Yale, and he encouraged me to think about applying to these global universities. So I set my sights on coming to America, and I applied to schools like Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Stanford, Columbia, and Wharton. Got into those schools, headed over to the U.S. to Harvard, and it's been a wild journey ever since. So I'm very passionate about helping students getting into these top colleges because you know, going to Harvard really changed the game for me totally. So uh, that's kind of where the passion comes from. And I launched Crimson about 10 years ago to guide students to these schools and have continued to do more studies along the way as well. Where did you ultimately end up going to school and how old were you when you graduated? So I went to Harvard uh, for my undergrad and master's degree and I graduated when I was 21. And then I headed off to Stanford for my MBA and an education master's when I was about 22. And then I recently finished my PhD at Oxford on the Rhodes Scholarship, looking at student outcomes and online schooling, uh, which was super fun. Uh, and I'm currently at Yale Law School. So as you can see, I'm a pretty passionate student. Congratulations on all your success. And I think all of that speaks to, you know what you're talking about. So what are some of the key elements necessary to draft a successful application to universities? The first thing is a lot of students on their common application essay to undergraduate colleges I think they need to write about you know academic achievements or extracurricular achievements. But the fun of this process is actually these schools really want to know nuances, quirks about your personality. So I wrote this essay, for example, about this bizarre superstition that I had where I would eat you know Kettle's barbecue chips, blue Powerade or Turkish Delight before each exam I sat as a sort of weird ritual to get me into my exam state. And I was sort of poking fun at myself. It was a very comical, lighthearted essay. So a lot of students don't put enough time into those essays, but if you really can express some funny quirks about your personality, it goes a long way. The second tip I'd say is supplementary essays. A lot of students will leave these to the end, but they actually make up about 15 or 20 percent of the admissions decisions. And if you can really articulate why there's special things about a university that will get you excited, it really boosts your odds significantly. So for example, let's say you want to apply to Harvard and you're passionate about business. Rather than making sort of general comments about being like an Ivy League school, you can talk about it's Harvard iLabs, Innovation Lab, Harvard Student Agencies, which is the 
biggest undergraduate business of any university run by students or classes at Harvard Business School, like innovation and entrepreneurship. So we really encourage our students to go very detailed on these essays, and that gives them a big advantage standing out in the process. What other ways can an applicant get an edge over other students on many of the steps in the admissions process? One clear edge right now is simply taking the SAT because there's been this wave of test optional admissions where you can now get into many colleges theoretically without taking the SAT. Many students read that optional and they think, good, I'm out. I don't have to worry about the SAT. But our data shows that students that have actually taken the SAT really get in at a much higher rate. And recently you saw MIT this week uh, reintroduce uh, the uh, you know, SAT criteria, the compulsory criteria for applicants applying this next cycle. So many of these universities, they really don't know how to process all these applicants who don't have SAT scores. But it's very challenging for them. So a simple hack is just do the SAT, study hard for it, get a good score, and don't mess up the basics on that particular test. I'm speaking with Jamie Beaton, author of Accepted, Secrets to Gaining Admission to the World's Top Universities. What is signaling? So signaling comes from this uh, Nobel Prize winning economist called Gary Becker. And what he talks about is that actually education, like a college degree, serves two purposes. The first, as you would expect, is to learn skills and you know be able to actually do more with yourself and a job and stuff. But the second, actually very important role is to help provide the signal to the labor market or basically, you know, employers about your quality. So, for example, take a firm like Google. They get so many applications each year. They have to wade through a sea of these things and they want to find these shortcuts to help figure out who's good, who's bad and, you know, who they should, you know, devote time to interviewing. So uh, a lot of these top employers, whether it be Google or Goldman Sachs or even some of these venture capitalists that want to invest in new startups, they use the shortcut of the college degree as a kind of signal for you know the strength of the student. Now, obviously, there are so many great people that never went to these good colleges. In fact, the vast majority of talented people didn't go to these good colleges, but it does give you a bit of an advantage, which is what signaling is all about and sort of speaks to why this process is quite high stakes and important for a lot of families that care about getting into these career pathways, you know, like finance or consulting or law or things like that. And why does signaling underscore the importance of a diploma from an elite institution? Well, I'll put it this way. When I was working for a hedge fund in New York called Tiger, I looked around and there was a guy from, there was two Wharton MBAs, there was a Harvard MBA, there was a guy from Yale. And, you know, I was sitting there and I was, you know, kind of amazed because I knew a lot of talented kids from New Zealand who were really strong in finance, but it seemed like to get a lot of these jobs, you've got to go down this pretty narrow track. So in certain industries, whether it be hedge funds or if you want to raise capital in Silicon Valley from certain investors, these degrees actually do help you. Uh, And you you don't have to go for undergrad. You could go ahead and pick up a master's degree online uh, at some of these schools. That can help too. But I, I think it definitely does open doors in certain industries. Other industries, people don't care at all. But I think, you know, I see a lot of these talented, ambitious high schoolers that want to work on Wall Street or build a company. And in these pathways, it can be definitely very beneficial. That's what the signaling chapter is all about in my book, Accepted. How can someone navigate time traps and focus on productive activities that admissions officers respect? In high school, just like in life, you're constantly faced with these time trade-offs, how you allocate your time. And, you know, the reality is a lot of students waste a lot of time on activities that don't really help them. For example, a lot of my students will be doing piano and violin because, you know, mum told them to when they were like five. But actually, 14-year-old Jimmy doesn't care that much about piano or violin, but it's taking all this time and it's actually not very fun and it burns a lot of the energy and motivation. So what you want to do is eliminate activities that, you know, really you don't enjoy that much and uh, reallocate them to more productive pursuits. So for example, one of my kids in California was not making much progress with theater, but switched into mock trial and began to win some, you know, different awards and competitions and really found it to be very enjoyable. 
In my case, I had a competitor doing this violin diploma, which took him like 300 hours, but I focused on a Trinity communication skills communications diploma. And that took me about 30 hours for a very similar result. And I actually had a lot of fun doing it. So this kind of time effort trade-off, results effort trade-off, is critical to keep making. And that's one of the things we do when we guide our students at Crimson. And also, you know, I describe in the book Accepted how kids can kind of optimize that high school journey. What really impresses hiring managers, do you think? Uh, it depends on where you're applying. But let me take the example of someone applying for a job at a firm like McKinsey, Bain, or Boston Consulting Group. One of these top management consulting firms, one of these top banks like Goldman Sachs. A lot of the time, it's going to come down to your undergrad degree. You know, what rank is the school? What the reputation is? That's really important. Love it or hate it, that's definitely important. Then secondly, your undergraduate GPA. And the funny thing about this is these employers often don't really understand the difficulty of the classes you've taken as an undergraduate student. So they actually weight your GPA really as a critical factor, even when you've taken maybe some very challenging classes and got some lower grades. They would rather see, you know, high grades because they don't really do the analysis to figure out how hard the classes were you took. So if you're a very pragmatic student, there's this sort of pressure to make sure you get that high GPA and, and get into that good school. Fortunately, when I was an undergrad, I sort of didn't quite follow the strategy to the T. And I took a lot of fun, challenging and difficult classes and, you know, worked hard, got some solid grades in them. Um, but I definitely knew students that really, you know, were relentless and they're focused on getting A's. And to be honest, a lot of those students, one has gone on to Goldman Sachs and others now at Harvard Business School. So, you know, GPA really does have a big impact. So those two things, GPA plus degree, play a big role. The third thing I'll mention is these kind of entrepreneurial projects. So this is true for both getting into college, but also it's true for getting into these great jobs as well. If you can show that you're a person who gets things done, you've launched your own podcast, you've launched your own app, you've launched your own club, or you know maybe you're into student government or something, these types of initiatives that involve some self-starting you know, motivation uh, that involve putting us about there, potentially getting rejected, you know, several times and then actually getting that win, that really helps as well. And it also often becomes the focus of your interview questions too. So that would be kind of a third strategy, I'd say, that pops out to hiring managers quite a lot. I'm speaking with Jamie Beaton, author of Accepted, Secrets to Gaining Admission to the World's Top Universities. Why is the common application essay so important? Well, the first thing is, if you're an admissions officer, you're reading, I mean, take a school like UCLA, they're often getting more than 100,000 applications for their slots. And you've got so many kids applying with similar stats, similar GPAs, you know, and there's, there's a limit for, you know, the difference between a 3.91 and a 3.93 GPA. Then you've got the activities, and that actually showcases your personality quite a bit, what activities you choose. But the essay is really where you can grab someone's attention and really, I guess, take their breath away and leave them with a story that really is set into their mind, you know, days after they read it. So I would say that's really the opportunity where you can stand out, differentiate, tell an interesting story. And it kind of makes sense because that's one of the only sort of qualitative parts of the application. The other area you can really grab a lot of attention is the reference letters. If you can find someone to give you the reference letter that you've really built a strong relationship with, that can really help you stand out as well. So uh, there are two particular tips that I think you know, are important to take note of. Can you share some other tips on writing an effective essay? Uh, yeah, sure. So one tip that I would mention is what I call starting an essay in media ray. And what this means basically is rather than dilly-dallying and having sort of a boring introduction, jumping right into the action in the story. So, for example, in my application essay that I used to get into Harvard and Yale, I immediately started the essay in this burger shop, cooking burgers, totally confused, really having a disastrous day on my first day at work. And uh, that's important because you only have 600 words to grab someone's attention. So you don't want to, you know, waste time dilly-dallying. You want to start with that interesting image, you know, jump into their mind. 
think about the movies you watch that are slow burn and, you know, you're waiting 15 minutes before any action starts. First, like, I don't know, like a Transformers movie where opening scene or James Bond, you're grabbed out of your seat by this interesting scene. You want to apply the same tactic to college application essays because these admissions officers, they've got a short attention span and you, you really want to grab them quickly. So that, that's going to be one. The second piece I'd give you is to use language techniques to create some really strong imagery in the essay. So rather than describing something as, you know, big and tall, maybe you could say, you know, towering like a skyscraper. Uh, as an example, you know, whatever the phenomena is, try and use some vivid language that helps to really paint that in, in a distinctive format. You know, rather than saying, we played in a football stadium that was super long, you could reference this is the link of five Olympic pools stacked together back to back. So it's all about trying to use those interesting language techniques to stick in the reader's mind. And a lot of these strategies I'm mentioning come from a book called Made to Stick by a Stanford professor who uh, you know, is, is very good at this. And he often uses these, these techniques in marketing as well. So there will be some examples of how you can use that sort of imagery to make your essays pop in the application process. And how can a student rank and choose the best universities? Here's a funny example. Today, one of my staff at Crimson, Andrew, sent me a note saying that U.S. News ranked Northwestern's MBA program higher than Harvard's MBA program. This is totally nuts because there's nobody who would actually choose you know, Northwestern MBA over Harvard MBA. And it's, it's a really good program. But basically, some of these rankings, they just lose the plot a little bit because they focus on these metrics that don't really track you know, what students really care about. What I advocate for, and by the way, US News is, is one of our partners, one of our investors, they're really good. But um, you know, when you use these kind of metrics, like how many pieces of research a professor has published, you're kind of losing the, the plot of what the students are really focused on when they're choosing these institutions. What I recommend is a ranking based on what I call cross-yield. Cross-yield is where you look at, imagine two schools, you know, Yale and Stanford. And you look at, okay, of 100 applicants to get into both schools, which school do they actually choose? And, you know, in this case, Stanford, I think it's, you know, say Yale and Princeton. So let's say all these kids choose Princeton. Then you would rank Princeton higher than Yale. So what you do is you actually use the market demand between each pair of schools to determine this relative ranking. And that's really powerful because, you know, rather than using things like citations, these kids are going to be paying thousands of dollars to go to college. They're going to spend four years. It's a big investment for them. They're going to do a lot of research before they choose. This is kind of using wisdom of the crowds to help rank the schools. So I recommend a cross-field ranking, and you can actually see what this ranking does in the book Accepted. It kind of corrects some of these anomalies. For example, in U.S. News, Princeton's ranked number one, but people will always choose Harvard and Stanford over Princeton normally, and, and the ranking kind of corrects for that. So I recommend basically cross-yield. The second thing to care about is job outcomes. A lot of educators are scared to kind of just be really direct with the reality that people go to college to get a return on investment on their degree to unlock certain career pathways and, you know, set up a great life. And as a result, it's really important to look at the kind of graduating salaries people earn from these colleges rather than these sort of like fluffy measures because for most students, they really want to know, is this college degree going to unlock a job and industry that I want? That's another thing that students really should obsess over rather than, you know, things like the weather. So um, that would be a couple of quick tactics that I would mention. I've been speaking with Jamie Beaton, author of Accepted, Secrets to Gaining Admission to the World's Top Universities. How would you like us to get your book? Hop onto Amazon and you can search Accepted Secrets to Gaining Admission to the World's Top Universities and you'll see it pop up. Go ahead and order it there. You can also find it in bookstores across the U.S., but Amazon's definitely going to be the fastest way to get it to you. And is there anything else you want us to know? I guess to wrap up, I'll, I'll give you one uh, secret from the book that has been making some interesting headlines. So in the book, there's a chapter about early decision and how you choose which college to commit to in the early round. 
And I talk about UChicago. Now, UChicago has actually been able to boost their way up the rankings by this interesting strategy where they offer students the choice between a binding early round and a non-binding round, as well as in the regular round, they offer binding and non-binding as well. What binding means is that if you apply and you get in, you have to go, so you're kind of committing. Now, this is actually quite cheeky because they take all the kids who don't commit binding and they decline those students at a super high rate. So I've had kids in China with two patents, 17 APs, 15, 18 SAT, getting declined from UChicago and getting into Harvard because they didn't apply binding to UChicago. UChicago then takes a lot of kids that apply binding and why they do this is to boost their yield rate, which is you know out of every 100 applicants that apply to UChicago, who actually takes their offer. And their, UChicago, their, their yield rate at UChicago is bumped up so high because of this tactic that actually they're third only behind Harvard and Stanford for yield rate, even though they're probably maybe like the top 10 in terms of most desirable colleges. So anyway, here's a quick strategy from the book, which is when applying to UChicago, make sure you apply binding. Otherwise, your odds are going to be pretty stacked against you. That's just one of the many strategies in the book accepted. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you for giving us these great suggestions and congratulations again on all of your success. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.